Hello and welcome to Automators, where we make our technology dance for us. I'm David Sparks, joined by my fellow co-host, Rosemary Orchard. Hi, Rosemary. Hey, da- uh, hey uh, hello. Hi, David. How are you today? Having a rough morning there, Rose? <laughs> well, it's been a long day at work. There's deadlines coming at me, but hey, today we get to do some relaxing or automating relaxing with music. I'm not quite sure if that works, but let's go to go. I am real excited about our guest today. It's one of my favorite automators. And when for years I've been going to a website called Doug's Scripts. And when we were talking about people that we thought we should absolutely have on the show, Doug was one of the first people on the list. Welcome to the show, Doug Adams. Well, thank you very much for asking me to be on. It's a pleasure to meet both of you. Yeah, I mean, first of all, you make Doug scripts, and second, your name is Doug Adams. I don't know how <sighs> we could not have you on. Do you get tired of that? 42. Yeah, there you go. How many times a day <laughs> no, do you get done. asked? <laughs> not so much anymore. When I used to go to bookstores, yeah, people behind the counter would say, inevitably, yeah. hey, we've got books by a guy with your name back there. Oh, yeah. And um, and sometimes I would say, well, I had to change my name because it used to be Emily Dickinson. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you have to think of something because it's just ridiculous. But I, mm. I, I understand how people with who have famous names feel. My mother is very upset because she thought the name Douglas Adams sounded great. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but I can't use it. I have to go by Doug Adams. So that's the way it works. When I was a kid, I discovered those books, and I felt like I had unlocked a secret code or something. I loved them so much. But Absolutely. I also love Doug Scripps. And for listeners who haven't heard of it, Doug Scripps is this amazing website that is a collection of Apple scripts, largely media-focused, but I know you cover some other things, too. But um, I was looking at the website tomorrow, this morning. It said 575 scripts for managing your media as of today. By the time the show publishes, that number may change. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, we always get people asking us, okay, I'm starting to figure out Apple Script, but what am I supposed to do with it? And I always tell people, go to Doug Scripps and just see everything that guy did with Apple Script, and you'll get an idea what you can do with it. It's, uh, it's funny because that's what Sal uh, used to tell people. Um, you know, he used to tell young engineers, go look at Doug Scripps. Look what this guy has 400 scripts. For iTunes alone, yeah. if you want your app to become indispensable and to become an engine for, for uh, you know, extensible work that the original developers never thought of, yeah. put AppleScript in your app so it can, be, can, it can be used. And, you know, the apps I use now, they're the ones that use AppleScript. I don't use apps that, w- that don't have AppleScript. Yeah. Um, Brent Simmons told me recently... Uh, he's coming out with Net Newswire again. Yeah, he's yeah. rejuvenated it, and hopefully, we'll bring back RSS, which is one of my favorite things of all time. And he said the f- one of the first things they thought of was it's got to have Apple Script because that makes it extensible. It makes yeah. it m- more purposeful, and that's what's uh, that's what's great about some of the old school apps that still use Apple Script. I don't, you know, you know what? You can tell me because I don't know, or I've forgotten. Can you have Apple Script apps on the Mac App Store? Uh, I believe you can because BB edits on the Mac App Store oh, right. and it's got massive Apple Script extensibility. That said, I did buy mine directly from Barebones. So yeah, me too. Uh, I haven't checked it, but um, 
I, I know that there was originally with the Mac App Store, there were some definite sandboxing issues where you couldn't do this and that and the other. Yeah. But Apple seemed to have lightened that up in recent years. And I'm very glad because something David doesn't know about me, Doug's script is one of the reasons why I got into the Mac in the first place. Oh, really? Because there were a bunch of things I wanted to do with iTunes that I couldn't do on my I have no idea. I think it was a Toshiba or maybe it was a HP Windows machine. I don't even remember it anymore. And I just couldn't do it. And I kept reading about this thing called AppleScript. Well, you can do that in AppleScript. And I was there going, okay, so how do I get AppleScript on my on my machine? And the answer was buy a Mac. And here I am today. Well, there we go. The source material. <laughs> I uh, And to answer Doug's question, like I use the some of the OmniFocus and some of the OmniGroup apps from the app store and they fully support apple script you know omni okay it, brent simmons is at omni of course so uh, yes. that's another company that um does a lot of apple script support but yeah sure and it's not just old apps there's i mean there's a lot of current mac apps that are doing a good job of supporting apple script that's terrific i'm glad to hear that because it's it's, it's you know there used to be a time when everybody knew a little apple script yeah because you know i mean i don't want to wax nostalgic but you know back in the day when before multitasking and, and, and the only app that would work was the one in front. You needed Apple script to, you know, shift data around between applications and things like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so everybody knew a little bit back nowadays, it's not necessary. Nowadays you can find a specific app that does a specific thing. You don't need to, you could probably find any, any derivation or any, any iteration of any bizarre sort of job you need done. You can find it. I mean, at my site, you can, and any strange little thing you can find. I am um, a few years ago, I had the pleasure of speaking at Sal's conference on automation. And uh, he had a bunch of guys there from Apple, or some of them were from Apple, some of them were formerly Apple, talking about kind of the, you know, the birth of Apple script and Apple events. And um, as users, you know, we kind of take it for granted. But the fact that they were able to create a system and Apple Script is kind of what what drives the system, but the underlying system is Apple Events. It's this right. I- idea that your Mac can can track every event it does, each Apple event, and as a user, you can step in and stop them, change them, modify them, and putting that underlying engine in the Mac operating system was not a guarantee. You know, they, it was a bit of a battle, I think, inside the company to get approval for that because it was a lot of extra work. Thank goodness it was before all the security problems because I right. think in modern day, I don't think that any company would ever approve you putting something like Apple events in. And in fact, Apple did not approve something like that in the iOS operating system. Right. Um, so they they created this thing and then they said okay we you know it's like the dog that catches the car what are we going to do with it and then they came up with the whole idea of apple script and it it really is something that is is not documented very well but uh, one of those little things that only could have happened at apple at a certain time you know it's funny you say it's not documented and and that's uh, you know that's a double edged sword because real developers hate apple script because you can't nail it down it's so squishy yeah. Yeah. But I love it because it's squishy. In fact, I'll tell you a little story. I uh, recently uh, started playing old PlayStation games to kill the time. And I have, I like, old cartoon platform games. Uh, Ratchet and Clank is a game yeah, that I like to I play. Game. Right? Yeah. So you collect weapons and you collect abilities as you go along. And as you're getting ready to go to the next level, you've, you inevitably hit a boss. Yeah, And you've got to try to defeat the boss and you've got to try to defeat the boss and you've got to manage your weapons properly because the weapons 
do certain things. All right, if you if you're about to tell me that you've auto uh, that you've Apple script ratchet, no, 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 I'm going to get excited. That's a good idea, though. <laughs> um, so you, what you've got to do is you've got to you've got to use your weapons properly to attack the boss and his minions and all that. And if you don't do it in the right order, you're not going to get to the next level. You've got to really manage yeah. it right. Well, last night I finally figured out how to do it with, I managed my weapons correctly. I defeated the boss, the crowd cheers, and I got these little endorphins going off in my head. Yeah. Going ding, 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 ding. Yeah. That's what working with Apple script is like. Yeah. You, you, ha- you can approach it three and four or five different ways. And at some point you're going to go, oh, that's the way to do it. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like a puzzle sometimes, but it, that's the nature of it. It has to be that way because there Apple events come from different places and are generated by different apps. And they, you can't have a, 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 a solid uh, Perl-like language to accommodate you know, specific things because everything is different. The, the way Mars Edit handles data is different from the way BB Edit handles data. So Apple Script is a nice interpreter of all that. And so, but sometimes you have to, you know, use your weapons this way first, and then use your weapons this way in order to beat the boss. And that's what I find. That's a thrill for me. It is, and a point you made there that really people need to understand is Apple Script is also a function of the applications that access it. And one guy sitting at a desk in Seattle may have a different idea of how to interact with Apple Script as opposed to a guy sitting at a desk in Missouri working on a different app. So just because what you do in the Omni Group app works is going to work one way doesn't mean when you open BB Edit that Rich is going to have decided to do it the same way. And you do kind of have to learn the quirkiness of it as yeah. you go through. Yeah, like I said, it, but it's fun though, right? Yeah. And, yeah, and the good news is there's so much Apple script out there. Like even a lot of Doug scripts I've taken apart to see how he solved the problem. And then you learn from them. I mean, it's a very, and, and if you're not a programmer, there's not a bunch of brackets and, and, you know, API calls. It's just, it's plain text to a certain extent. And, and someone who's not a programmer can kind of unwind a script and rebuild it to their, to their need. Absolutely. And the scripting dictionaries are there as well. So to help, you know, somewhat to some extent combat that squishiness, you can go through and you can figure out, okay, so what is it that I'm talking to? And, you know, what what is a database in one application it might be a document in another application or it might, you know, just be nothing and you have to figure out something completely different. But it's all, it's there, you know, somewhere, somehow. Um, and usually once you find an example or two of how to talk to that app with AppleScript, well, that's, you know, that that's the point where you can, you know, jump at the top of the slope and then you, you start sliding down, collecting bits here and there as you go. Hey, I want to talk, I want to talk about getting started and, um, and Apple script tools, but let's take a quick break. This episode of the automators is brought to you by Kensington, the professional's choice. Find the right docking solutions for your organization today. Go to kensington.com slash automators to learn more. You may have heard of Kensington. They're the people who make universal docking stations that are designed to increase productivity. You plug a laptop into one of these things and you have all sorts of ports. It's so easy to use. You can get access to more ports and make your sleek MacBook, Chromebook, or other laptop as powerful as a desktop. If you're using a laptop at work and at home, you need one of these Kensington docks. It's plug and play with no drivers, so you can enjoy up to dual 4K displays with HDMI and DisplayLink video connectors, plus USB 3.0, USB-C, 
and Thunderbolt 3 with power delivery available. They've got all the hits. The Kensington engineering team has three decades of experience in high-volume manufacturing of hardware IT products, plus rigorous test cycles and quality control, which means their products are tested above industry standards. If you're an IT decision-maker looking to find the right docking solution for your organization, check Kensington's Pro Concierge program and test drive a docking solution today. When you buy a dock for your laptop, you want it to not just work for the next day or month, you want it to work for years, and that's why you want Kensington. Visit kensington.com automators right now to check out Kensington. That's kensington.com automators to learn more. Our thanks to Kensington for their support of the automators and all of Relay FM. Doug, how did you get started with AppleScript? I mean, you didn't just, you weren't just born an AppleScript wizard. Oh, no, not at all. I'm not a computer person at all. I, uh, I came at programming um, computers from, from music. I had, uh, back in the 80s, a bunch of digital synthesizers, and I was doing a lot of music stuff. And I needed a way to uh, stick the digital sounds into a digital database. And the stuff they I had a Commodore at the time. And uh, I had a Commodore. C64? And the I, yeah, C64. Yeah, yeah. And the reason I had a C64 is because I didn't really need anything more powerful than that to do what I needed. It was, I wasn't, a, like I said, I wasn't a computer guy. I just needed to manage the music. And there was some decent cheap software for music on the Commodore. But anyway, I didn't like the software that they had for my synthesizers. So I said, well, I'll just figure out how to write a database, I guess. And I learned basic and I learned machine language and stuff like that. And mm-hmm you know, built stuff. And when I was on Q, this is at the era of Q-Link, of Quantum Link. And there was a whole music area. Uh, and so my software was up on on there for people to use. So that was kind of thrilling. But you, you had to pay Quantum Link to be on Quantum Link. So it was kind of, didn't really benefit me in much yeah. in any way. Uh, so like when you get a $300 CompuServe bill. I remember those days. <laughs> Yo, $300. <laughs> that's good for you. Um, anyway, so uh, I didn't think much of computers really, but um, in fact, <laughs> I thought of this the other day. My experience of Apple was working with, a, with an audio, with a music guy in a studio one time, and he had a sequencer, a music sequencer on his Apple II, I think it was. And every so often he had to whap the side of it with his open palm because for something inside wasn't connected correctly. And that was my impression of Apple's. It's like, well, if you got to hit them on the side, they can't be any good. So I might as well just hold on to the Commodore. Yeah, it was probably, it was probably the, uh, the Apple II expansions. Because those, those were classic probably. for those expansion. They, it was like the old video game cartridges. And if you didn't seat right. it just right, it didn't work. <laughs> that's, well, that's what must have been happening. Yeah. So um, Anyway, so I didn't think much of Apple until my wife needed something to print out uh, papers for school. So yeah. I said, all right, we'll buy an Apple and yeah. we'll be fine. I bought a Performa or something. And that had that came with 7.1 and that had Apple Script on it. Yeah. So I was looking for something to do on the Apple because I was still using the Commodore for music. And I couldn't really afford any Apple music software because that that's when you got into expensive stuff. So uh, I found Apple Script and I said, oh, this will be fun. I can look, I can automate my mail and my Usenet messages. And I can, eventually I found a nice program called TechSedit Plus. And I started writing Apple scripts for that. And the developer of TechSedit Plus emailed me and said, say, listen, you seem like a nice guy. You want to like 
house all the Apple scripts for TechEdit Plus on your website. And, you know, people who want them can come and get them from your website. And I thought, oh, I'm looking for an excuse to have a website. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah. So I, I did that for a while. I have a TechEdit. I think that site's still up somewhere. And so I dabbled in having these Apple scripts for TechEdit Plus up. Now, I don't know if you remember TechEdit Plus, but it was a it was a pretty good competitor with BB Edit back in the day. In fact, I went back and forth between the two of them, but BB Edit, uh, BB Edit won out eventually. Yeah. And TechEdit Plus kind of, he stopped developing it after a while. Yeah. But anyway, um, I was always looking for something to Apple script and uh, SoundJam was there. I was using that. And so I wrote some scripts for SoundJam and put those up on the website. And then Apple bought SoundJam. And then so I had an iTunes website. So then the rest is history. Yeah. And, and quite a history because for so many years, you've been kind of the leader, especially with iTunes scripting. And uh, I know a lot of listeners, I'm sure, have gone to your website. I know I think, I think I'm a customer. I think I've bought scripts from you. You had some packages mm-hmm. over the years that mm-hmm. I purchased. And, um, and then Apple came out with music, Apple Music, as opposed to iTunes. And we were yeah. all worried, is Doug going to be okay? <laughs> Everybody yeah, my, did my first worry reaction was, wait, what's happening to Doug Scripps? Well, um, you know, I, I'm trying to remember what I thought they were going to do because there were rumors that they were going to break it up for years. Mm-hmm. And then they did. I think they confirmed it almost about a year ago now. And it seemed to me that every, they would keep the Apple script. Um, there were too many things that were dependent yeah. on it uh, as far as automation went. And so, uh, you know, while the other things went to uh, Marzipan, while, you know, podcasts and, and things like that are and books went that way, they kept TV and music a little more robust and they kept the Apple script in it. And it's virtually the same thing. Um, there's some, you know, bumps here and there for instance i don't think tv has album artist or some things like that you know there's just little yeah. quirks here and there but in general um they're more or less the, the the same sort of scripts i've taken the opportunity actually just to clean up all my scripts and you know reorganize them and make them a little cleaner as far as the code goes some of them are three four five years old some you know I, you say oh it's been a long time i really i've been on i've been making these silly things for 20 years yeah <laughs> i just can't I'm like I'm having trouble like just grasping that length of time. How long is uh, how long it's been going on? It seems to me it's only been like three or four years. Time goes <laughs> fast, man. Time goes I fast. I guess so. But but you know the nice thing with the Apple script is the ones you wrote 20 years ago probably still work. Oh yeah, they do. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Some they, of the simpler ones, sure. Yeah, they because uh, it really. I mean, once it, it you know it, it's such a weird thing, Apple script, and like we were saying earlier. It is hard for developers to pick up. It's hard for normal people to pick up too, because you still have to have some concept of development or software yes. logic. And and it is funny because you write things different ways. Uh, but the uh, but that timelessness of AppleScript is really something. And so long as the applications continue to support it in the same method that they started, most of the scripts are going to continue to work. Well, it's terrific too. One of the things that I really like now is that you can tap into you know, the Cocoa frameworks. Yeah. And then you can create, I can create these great interfaces using, you know, I have to hand code it, of course, but still I can pull in foundation and app kit and AV foundation, a game kit, all kinds of stuff you can do. And you can create legitimate Cocoa apps. They're not, 
they're not very robust. I mean, you really you're still only dealing with that one thread. Yeah. That Apple Script can deal with, so you can't really do lots of multi-threaded things, but you can do quite a bit um, using you know a lot of the uh, the frameworks that are available otherwise to to Coco. And that's something we have Salsa going to think for because mm-hmm. everybody always saw Sal as the guy who was the you know the advocate for automation of for Apple customers. I think his job more was being the advocate for automation to Apple developers. I think he was yeah. running around. Um, one of the stories I heard recently, I hope I don't get sell. He didn't tell me the story. It was told me about him that when uh, one of the teams was working on a particular piece of Apple software and the the head developer of that software did not want to spend a lot of time on Apple script. They were working on other things. It wasn't a priority that the team would put Sal into the room through the back door. They had like a special door that Sal would come in. And of course, because Sal wanted Apple script in this app, he would come in through the back door and do his magic and then leave. And then the, the head developer would never know. <laughs> and, and, That's a great story. And that is exactly what he would No, It's true. I mean, the person okay. who told me it was in the room when this was going on, but, but <laughs> I like this guy really uh, fought for automation inside that company. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I'm glad he did because it's it's really is a terrific, terrific yeah. thing. Yeah, and it means that we have all of these fabulous things in all of the apps that support Apple Script. You know, because just because an app supports Apple Script doesn't mean well, you know, you can do everything. But there's there's just so much there that's built in by default from the operating system, which gives developers a head start, um, and that makes it much easier for all of us who want to automate things. So, yep, yep. Yep. One of the things I wanted to talk about was Apple scripting tools. Now, Apple ships Apple Script Editor, which is a good tool for making Apple scripts. Um, uh, but there's also a very popular one out there called Script Debugger, and mm-hmm. um, and you used a different. I said it was Text Edit Plus, I believe it was called years ago. Years ago, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, what tools do you use? And kind of, if someone's out there listening, what are your thoughts on whether they need to get a more powerful tool? I think. Script editor is fine, but I've gone back and forth with script debugger. For years, I used script debugger. And then I stopped because I wanted to, I wanted to be able to explain to regular users how to do stuff. And script debugger is great if you know your stuff. Um, and, I, and that's not to, to suggest that you shouldn't get it if you don't know your stuff, because you'll, you'll learn it pretty fast. But I think you'll have a, a steeper climb. If you don't start with something simpler, but if you know your stuff, absolutely script debugger is the way to go. But I stick with script, Apple script editor, script editor, whatever they're calling I know, it. It's year. easy to get tongue tied yeah. on this stuff. I like script editor because I can write scripts for it. I've written over the years. I've written scripts that, you know, make things for me in it. It's been central. Like I said, I like to be able to explain to people how to do things with it. So I like to have it available. I like to know what script editor is going to show them so that I can see it. Yeah. So while, yes, it's a bit of a pain for me to work with script editor sometimes and some of its quirks and some of its, why are you closing every window when I just want to close that window things that happen with it? Um, generally I, I, I find it okay, but script debugger is, is, is wonderful. Actually late night software themselves are terrific. They have a great Apple script forum. Uh, with some terrific people who participate. Uh, and uh, if you know Shane, I'm sure yeah. you know Shane Stanley. Um, he, he's just the most giving person uh, I've ever met in technology. The guy is just will answer any question. Maybe I shouldn't have said that because now he's going to get inundated with tons of them. 
but he they run a great forum over there that he participates in. I really like it. Well, and it was interesting because he was at this conference, this automation conference Sal gave, and he he talked as well. And they had a list that they wanted, you know, the perfect Apple script writing app they wanted to build when they were at Apple. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, there's priorities, you know, and Apple script isn't the number one priority at Apple. And they're like, well, we're going to give you enough time and budget to get this far down that road, but you know, you're not going to get everything on your list. So, so he let, when he left Apple, eventually he's like, okay, well, I'm going to finish that list. And script debugger yeah. is basically the Apple script editor, plus all the extra tools, the guys that made Apple script wanted. Um, and I think you're right. It, it can be overwhelming if you have never done Apple script before, but the thing I like about it and the reason I'm a, I'm, I buy every update is their library support is just so much better. Yes. And, um, and you know the thing about Apple Script is learning those libraries for those apps you use, and and I feel like Script Debugger, man, that just kills that so well. For me, it's um it's a challenge to write Apple Scripts for everything. I don't use Automator, for yeah. example. Yeah. When Automator first came out, I thought it was pretty cool. I remember Sal told me, I said, "Well, so what do you so what do you do? You make these actions and you make them available, and he goes and you sell them." Um, but that never panned out. <laughs> that sounds like but, so. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I did make a few, and I, I I know people love Automator, and it has some actually some cool features, like the ability to stick it in the services menu and make little you know self-running apps and things. I really like that stuff. But I, I've always felt that, well, I can automate it with Apple Script. I'll just yeah. use Apple Script. And so that's, that's kind of what the challenge is for me. I've got plenty of time. I mean, this is kind of what I do. I mean, I know people probably imagine, oh, he gets up at seven o'clock and writes Apple Script all day. That's not what I do. But I mean, yeah. I have the time. It's to your spend. thing, though. Yeah, it's my thing. Exactly. It's my it's my hobby and my thing. So uh, I don't mind using Script Editor. I wish they would tidy it up a little bit, but I don't want I don't want to jinx it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to ask for too much. Yeah. Well, I think at this point it would be work to take Apple Script out of the operating system, so we're probably yeah. safe. You know. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why people shouldn't worry about whether Apple Script is going to disappear because, as you said earlier, Apple events are there. Yeah. So if you're going to have Apple events, you might as well have an Apple Script editor. And I look at like the shortcuts development. You know, the where it started and where it's gone. And a part of me, my heart breaks for Automator. I feel like that is the. What, what should have happened with Automator. And, yeah. and you know, with with uh, shortcuts, you can have variables, you can have user interaction. There's so many things you can do that just don't work with Automator. And um, and that that's where we could have gone. But I totally see why you would not be the Automator demographic because you write script at scripts, you know. So you, you're so familiar with AppleScript that why would you tie one hand behind your back? Right. Right, I've already written it in my head by the time I've opened the script editor document to yeah. to write it. So it's 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 that way. Um, I haven't used shortcuts because, and I feel bad, but I'm not a mobile person. I work out of my house, sure. So I don't need a mobile computer, and then I don't need all of these time saving things to happen on on my phone. And I feel terrible because I'd love to be able to contribute, but I just don't have any impetus to even uh, to to jump into that. Yeah, so too yeah. bad. I just want to quickly jump back to something you said. You've automated script editor. What kind of things are you automating in script editor? Well, like, for instance, if I use, um, well, here's what I do. I have a lot of snippets that I use notes for, the notes app. Mm-hmm. And I have a, a, a book of uh, a booklet. That's, uh, that's another app that has books. Um, notes has what? What do they call those? 
those little things on the side there, <laughs> folders, whatever they are, folders. I have folders of, of various snippets that I use. So I can pull up Apple scripts that pull the script syntax from the notes page into another app. For instance, I have to create NS table views all the time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, and I don't want to sit there and write, uh, tell current applications NS table view to init for frame, blah, 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 blah. So I just pull all that in and all that stuff is already written in the notes app. So that's what I do. I have my, I've written my own libraries as well. So that's the sort of thing that I write scripts to automate script editor for. Okay. So you're, it's essentially templates or parts of templates that you're, you're sure. using pretty much with that. But that's, yeah. you know, that's the sort of thing that is going to make somebody like your life easier because you've got a lot of these things. Whereas at the moment, I'm still very much in the area of I'm, I'm getting to learn Apple scripts. So in my case, it's probably a good thing that I'm going back and copying and pasting the chunks because then I'm there going, oh yeah, but actually I could automate this or improve this while I'm doing it. So yeah. The, um, absolutely writing it by hand. I mean, I, it's, it's a badge of honor to, for me to write stuff by hand. I don't like templates. My, my website, I, I do it by hand with the, with the exception of the WordPress blog portion. Mm-hmm. Everything else I've written in hand coded in PHP and in BB Edit, and the database management stuff I've all I do it by hand. The same thing with writing an Apple script. I like writing it by hand. Now I do a lot of automated stuff, but you still have to look at what's there and say, well, that table that needs to have three columns, and uh, that matrix isn't two columns; it's one column with two rows. And you know, you, you, there, there's always something different. There's always a new problem uh, coming at me. Um, sometimes I'll even take the same idea from one script and say, wait a minute, I could do that like this. And then I can, and then the script becomes a, a different app. I'm not sure. I'm not explaining that right either. That sounds like I just walked out of a, out of a man called horse. Now even that sounds like I just came out of a man called horse. <laughs> well, it was like I was saying earlier on, if you take a different perspective, it can take you in a different place with Apple script. And it's yeah. just, it's just part of the journey, I guess. Well, the thing I love about your scripts is like you're using table views. I mean, you are really pushing Apple script, I think, to, you know, its full potential. Like I, I wrote a script recently that just goes and, and extracts the icon file from an application, you know, and that to me is like my high level scripting. I'm not writing in <laughs> yeah. table view scripts, you know, and um, that's that's why I love your website so much. It's very inspirational for people out there that want to get better at Apple scripting, just, just to get an idea for what you can do with the app. And, and, uh, it's just, you know, for, for, for standard users that don't want to write the next great app, but they want to take the three apps that they use every day and make them work together better. This is the way you go. Apple events yeah. plus Apple script. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. And I mean, and then there's nothing to stop you from writing your own app in Apple script. Yeah. You know, if there's an app out there that you, there's not an app out there that you that you require, you know, do what I did. I, I needed to store digital information on a computer. I went out and bought a Commodore and learned how to program in a database. Yeah. You know, sometimes you just have to like, you have to do it yourself. Where, where would you recommend someone go to get started if they want to get better at Apple script? Well, it's tough to say nowadays because, you know, back in the day, Apple script was everywhere and you really could just type it Apple script into a search engine into jumbo. no, probably, or something like that, yeah. or Alta Vista. And, uh, you know, and you'd find people posting scripts everywhere. Mac Scripter still has a lot of great um, forum posts that, yeah. that you know, if you have a question, you can 
certainly search that their forums. Late night is pretty good, although they um, their forums more or less are like an intermediate uh, sort of uh, level of of, yeah. of questioning, and also it's for script debugger. So you might not see some stuff there, but one of the things you can also do is check out Stack Overflow. There's still a lot of uh, AppleScript stuff up there, and it doesn't hurt to learn a little Objective C and Swift syntax just to you know just to know how those things work. I mean, it's not once I figured out AppleScript, I pretty much figured out everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, JavaScript and Perl came really easy, and then everything else just fell into place after that. I, I would add to that a uh, book recommendation, Sal Sigorian's AppleScript 123. Oh, That's a good one. Absolutely. Too. Yeah. Yep. yeah, for me, the key with AppleScript has been keeping the the problem that I have in mind and the solution and, uh, and you know, like a, a couple of solutions. And so being aware that, hey, if I'm, get, if I'm getting stuck going in this direction, stop running into this wall, try and approach it from a different way because there's a gate somewhere with AppleScript. You just have to figure out where it is. And this goes back to what you were saying with the squishiness of AppleScript. You know, just because you can squish it this way in this application doesn't mean you can do it the same way in another app. But if if you get a little bit creative, you know, and you you remember that okay, this is the problem you're trying to solve. How exactly you solve it, you know, that's the flexible part. You know that that's where it can get a lot easier. Yeah, that's a good point because you have to keep your mind on what you're trying to do, um, because there could, as you say, there can be any number of ways that different apps handle the same kind of data. But you've got to remember that you may have to toss it around a little bit. You may have to get a little messy, but ultimately. Uh, you can usually arrive at what you need to do. Yeah. Um, and of course, you can also um, remember that you don't have to automate everything. So just because you you want to do everything in an automated fashion, well, if you can get 95% of it done, well, that's still going to be more accurate that, you know, whenever you run that script and then you can you can do that last little bit manually until you figure that out and it gives you a motivation to keep learning. That's a good point, and I'll tell you why. A lot of people see, and I don't say a lot of people, many people will see that an Apple script can do something that looks fairly amazing. But they don't realize that a lot of the things you can do already, for instance, they're looking for a script that will sort their playlists. Well, they already have smart playlists, and they already have you know this column sorting stuff. You can use that to sort, and then use an Apple script rather than try to get an apple try, try getting apple script to sort anything okay okay you want to have a party invite some friends over and you all sit around and you try to figure <laughs> out how to sort stuff in apple script because it's really difficult it's a difficult thing to do but if you sort it by yourself you know you don't have to use the magic wand all the time yeah yeah, yeah. You, you can you can use a little bit of manual work to to get yourself started with the, yeah. with these things or finish them off or maybe in the middle the middle is my least favorite part to have to manually do something because it it really feels like oh man if i could just get this little bit done but if you've got something at the start or the end then you know that that's nowhere near as bad and it always feels like okay so i i do this and then i do that and oh my gosh magic happens i hate that manual thing in the middle man <laughs> I hate it i hate doing that This episode of Automators is brought to you by Zapier. Growing a business is hard, especially when you're spending hours every day moving data from emails to spreadsheets to wherever else. Wouldn't it be easier if all of these things worked together without you ever lifting a finger? Well, Zapier is the easiest way to automate your work. It connects all of your business software and handles work for you, so you can focus on the things that matter the most. You don't need to waste any more time on tasks you know could be automated, because that's what Zapier was built to do. 
So if you work in sales, Zapier lets you instantly engage with leads and send them to a CRM or spreadsheet and then notify your team so they can act quickly on every opportunity. But whatever your business, you can build the exact solution you need in minutes without writing code or asking a developer for help. And with support from more than 1,500 business applications, it's no wonder that more than 4.5 million people are saving 40 hours a month using Zapier. One of the ways that I use Zapier is when I get assigned tasks like shows and articles over at Screencast Online, it automatically creates OmniFocus tasks for me and then sends me a push cut notification to let me know that I've got work to do. One of the features I love most is the fact that it integrates with pretty much everything I've ever tried. And for the things that I know that I need to integrate with that aren't yet on Zapier, I can use the webhooks to build my own integrations too. It's really easy to use Zapier just because everything pretty much is already there and everything's documented too. Right now, through the end of the month, try Zapier free by going to zapier.com slash automators. That's Z-A-P-I-E-R dot com slash automators for your 14-day free trial. Go there now and check it out. It'll save you a lot of time. Zapier.com slash automators. Our thanks to Zapier for their support of automators and all of Relay FM. So, Doug, 575 scripts on Doug scripts. <laughs> all right. Well, that number, you know what that number is? That number is some all the track entries in the database. Okay. So of that 571, probably about 271 are useless, old, can't possibly work okay. under any circumstances. Yeah. But I leave them up so that people can grab them and look at them and see, well, this is at least how you would put something like that together. Well, for, 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 you know, for the record's sake. Mm-hmm. Well, for the record's sake. Well, I know, um, I know I have some favorites of yours, but I'd like to hear from you. Uh, could you share like a couple with us, maybe like a simple one and a more complex one and explain a little bit of the Apple script behind it of how you did it. I and mean, we don't want to go through line by line that doesn't work on a podcast, but just kind of the, the logic of it. Well, let me look at, um, what did I just put up recently? Oh, uh, I put up a script called make playlists by tag. And what it does is it looks at your entire library uh, and you say, I want to have a bunch of playlists that are created using the name of the artist. So you select um, that you want to see all the artists, all the artists in your music. And it presents them in a table with a little check mark. Sure. And then you check mark the ones that look like you want to have playlists of them. Mm-hmm. And then you say, okay, go now make playlists of all these artists. And it'll do that in a few seconds. I'm trying to think how I did that. Let's see. First of all, it's a, it's a table with a uh, with a with a with, with a menu with a pop up menu, and it's also got a, a a search filter thing at the top, so you can you don't have to look at two thousand artists, which I have in the picture that I'm looking at. Now, now let me just interrupt there because that table does not look like the tables I've ever made in Apple Script. You know, okay, my tables are very basic texty looking apple script tables whereas yours looks like an application how are you doing that all right well this is made using the um the foundation and AppKit frameworks sure so what i do is i i use those you, that's some syntax you put at the top of of your script and then you tell ns table view to make a table and then you create um various sized columns you add them to the table um, 
in this particular case, I think this is, let's see, I think I wrote the text to be the system font, and I made the cell spacing 3-7. So that is, there's three pixels on the top and seven on the side. Is that how that works? So there's a little more spacing in there. Mm -hmm. Um, You see the checkboxes in there. They have to be balanced because there's no, please align this checkbox in the middle. So the whole thing is dependent on how the checkbox looks in that row. You see, it's the checkbox is perfectly centered. So everything else has to work on that. Yeah. Yeah. You see, I mean, I'm really getting into the inside baseball here. Um, That's okay. We're the automators. We can take it. Okay. All right. Well, so anyway, there's also you'll in this picture. I I, I presume you're going to put a link to this picture. You know what we're looking at. Sure. Um, There's also there's a little red arrow next to the Aerosmith entry. And the red arrow indicates that I already have a playlist of Aerosmith tracks. But, you know, I, I might want to recreate it. Now, that, now each of those is a column. The first column with the arrow in it is just empty unless I decide to put a red Unicode arrow in as the entry. The, the next column with the, with the, um, the checkboxes, that column is created, and then you have to assign a checkbox button, a, uh, an NS button cell to that, uh, to that column. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then the next row where the words are, where the text is, that's just a normal text column. That's yeah. just a normal. Now, what I tried to do is I tried to use a will display cell delegate. Do you know what that is? I have no idea what okay. that is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, no it's way. a, it's a, it's a delegate to a table view in Coco. And what it does is these delegates, they sit there and they wait and watch for the table to do things. In this particular case, the will display cell says, I'm going to show a cell in the table. Do you want it to look any particular way? And so what you do is when you do a will display cell, you get information about the row. Mm-hmm. And, and you say, okay, if, if this row has an arrow in it, make the text red, right? So I wanted to do that, but the will display cell takes so long to process in Apple Script because it's yeah. only it's one thread. Yeah. So for instance, whenever I included the will display cell delegate, whenever I tried to resize the window, it would be like bum 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 bum. <laughs> it would move like a half an inch at a time, and the thing is trying to redraw, and it's just a mess. So hey. I said Forget will display cell. Just make a column and put an arrow in it and go have your ice cream and go to bed. Have it play that dancing elephant music in the background <laughs> while you're waiting. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's interesting because I like Apple Script is historically slow in comparison to other because there's so many yes. levels of interaction between the Apple Script and the the metal of your computer. Uh, but it's never been a problem for me because modern Macs and my scripts aren't that complicated. But of course, Doug would write one that that brings Apple Script to a grinding halt. I could see that happening. <laughs> oh, and it, it happens. Unfortunately, it happens frequently. But I know I've yeah. learned my lesson. It's like you can't you can't do too much in the UI because yeah. the UI is where everything runs. Everything yeah. goes through that loop. So yeah. if you're doing big computations, forget it. Just stop. So. And besides, having a nice table like this in an Apple script, isn't that enough? It's gorgeous. <laughs> Doesn't it look nice? It's gorgeous. <laughs> or even just like 
a search bar in an Apple script. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've never written a search bar into an Apple script. I'm, I think I, you're, you're inspiring me. I want to go back and look at some of my scripts and figure out how to add this beautiful box to it. You know, it's so simple to do once you figure it out and you can find out how to do all this by looking at old objective C code. Yeah. And that's how I figured it out. Yeah. I mean, I figured out how to do bindings. That's a word that a lot of developers are like, Oh, bindings. It's really scary. But Bindings work great here. A lot of this stuff is bound. Those columns are bound to a, to a, a data source. The, the way the filter items work is when you type something in, the filter predicate is updated for an NSRA controller that I'm using in an Apple script. I mean, the idea that you can use an NSRA controller in an Apple script, to me, blows my mind. I've actually used, I've done outline views and used tree controllers, which are even sure. more crazy and and browser uh controllers and things like that and as long as you don't try to do too much as far as the ui processing you know use a simple uh use a simple progress indicator or something so that people know there's something going on but you can use most of the processing in the background mm -hmm. um you can actually create some some fairly nice looking things and and because you're using the coco frameworks you can get it to look like these Kind of pretty. And for people who don't want to write a UI where they're going, oh my gosh, Cocoa Frameworks, this sounds scary. A workaround for that, I presume, would be to start with make the user select an artist. Um, and then you run the script based on the selected artist. And if you don't want to deal with multiple artists, then you just say you can only select one artist and then go from there. You could easily create this in a, in a script editor script. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could emulate what this does with a single very small apple script but the point is is to make is it to pretty. have a nice elegant yeah. little yeah it's to have yeah. an elegant little app that does one thing it does it really well and it's nice to look at while you're using it it's not this oh pick an artist and uh i'll get all that stuff for you in a second you go make a sandwich you know i don't like those yeah, that, apple scripts that's the guy that's my apple script guy that's what yeah. he sounds like <laughs> yeah that's I, the, and, i haven't got and fancy I, enough Sometimes that guy is fun to have around, you know, because you need something done really quick. But other times when you, if you're going to use something on a regular basis, you don't want to approach it and be like, oh, I got to use that stupid script I wrote. Um, you know, it's, that's bad feng shui, man. That's totally, that's bad. So uh, I like to have nice looking, nice looking things. Well, it, it is really nice. And like another one, I'll tell you one that I like, it just, you know, because we knew we were coming on the show, I've been reading your site more, more frequently lately and you did one called Divvy Up a Playlist. Right. And that is such a great idea. So I, I have this thing with this artist, Dexter Gordon. Nobody's ever heard of him unless you're really into jazz. But he's kind of an obscure tenor sax player. But when I got into Apple Music, I realized that there's a lot of Dexter out there that I had I wasn't aware of. And Apple Music's got a pretty deep library on it. So I've got like 60 or 70 Dexter albums on my library now. And this, but I want to listen to it. I've got this massive playlist and it's just crazy uh, having something so big. And so you created a script that um, will break a big user created list and break into smaller ones. And you can even specify the time. So like, let's say I'm like, I want to have at the end of the day, I'm going to clean my office for 30 minutes. I've got my 30 minute Dexter script now built based on this Apple script you built. I love it. And uh, I'll, put, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes for that as well. But uh it's just like, I love the, the ideas you come up with, Doug. And, and of course, just like the other one you were just talking about, it's got a beautiful user interface. 
something that I'm not capable of creating myself. <laughs> but it's just it's just great, and it feels like an app. It doesn't feel like an Apple script. Yeah, that's the fun part. It's that that they feel what uh, actually even more more better that they look like apples that they look like applications is that they run from the music interface yeah i mean you can put these in in the special folder and you can run them from the menu in in music which to me is that's it that's that's an incredible thing not many apps do that anymore in fact that used to be a thing where you know you could you could have your scripts in the menu people don't do that anymore yeah and and the great thing about that is you can assign keyboard shortcuts to them yeah so which is my second favorite thing of all time because then if you have a script that you're using all the time or on a regular basis just assign it a regular keyboard shortcut that isn't being already used by by music or anything else yeah and you can fire it off whenever you want it's just absolutely amazing that's the stuff that i'm so glad they kept that that's the thing that i'm glad they kept Yes, me too. Because I mean, you can use things like fast scripts and so on to, yeah. to add them to your menu bar and and to add uh, a keyboard shortcut to them so that they're available globally. But you don't necessarily want to do that because I do want some of these things to only be available in specific applications, mostly mm-hmm. iTunes or music as it is now. Um, and it, it's good to you know try and narrow that down a little bit. Um, and I've actually got two favorite scripts. And I realized today that one of them hasn't been updated since 2009, and it's still working, at least for me. Um, and that is the Find a Guitar Tab, or the Guitar oh, Tab yeah. Search, as it's called. Now, I actually don't use this to find guitar tabs. I'm currently learning to play the ukulele. But the um, Ultimate Guitar website has ukulele um, yeah. you know, uh, chords for everything. So um, so I, I, I'm doing just fine with that. Um, but you know, it it it's goes to show, you know, it's not been updated since two thousand nine. I may have tweaked it a couple of times over the years. Um, yeah. but you know, it's it's still there and it works and I'm I'm pretty happy with that one. Rose, I, I think that was updated though. It looks like there's a version two from twenty nineteen. But if she's edited the the older one to meet her yeah. set, that's fine. Yeah. It's not gonna be that yeah. much different. I love those web search ones that I have. It's like um uh, you know, Wikipedia, search Wikipedia. I'm using that all the time. I have that on a shortcut and, you know, what is it? Option, command W or something. And so if something's playing and I want to know more about them, search Wikipedia, bam. And it just, you want to search for the album, you want to search for the song, you want to search for the artist. Same thing with your guitar tab thing. I think it Mm -hmm. asks for the song and the album, or is it just the song? Yeah. uh, So I think the original one that I have is just doing a search based on the, the name of the song. Um, and, um, the new one, which actually I, I may have to switch to because now David's pointed out to me that there is a new one that can search for the, the song, which is the default option or the artist, which is another option. Then of course you can cancel if you don't want to. Um, and that's pretty good. I may have to install the Wikipedia one on my dad's Mac because I was at home this weekend and we were listening to music and he was there. So whatever happened to this artist? And so, of course, I, you know, I had to say, well, which artist is this? Because I didn't know. Um, and then I had to look them up on Wikipedia. It'd be pretty cool if he had a keyboard shortcut to do that. I may yep. uh, boost his iTunes next time he's home. Uh, next time I'm, I'm back there. Terrific. Because yeah. that's exactly what I use it for. It's like, what happened to them? Yeah. Um, and the other one that I use all the time is random full albums to playlist. Oh, yeah. Um, and this is great because I, I get into a rut with my listening. Um, and I, I will credit some of my recent rut to have to Aladdin having come out on DVD. And so I've been listening to the soundtrack a lot because it's, 
it's good and I'm enjoying it. But to avoid this happening, um, then I, I usually try and use the random full albums to playlist because that is really helpful for just like, okay, dump some stuff in a playlist. I like to listen to things, you know, by album usually and mm-hmm. then just play through and I'm good. So That's terrific. That's terrific. I'm glad people still listen to things by album. One of the things that we've discussed on on the podcast that I do is people don't listen to albums anymore. They listen to tracks and it's funny how music has has uh you know has devolved from well it went from singles to albums now we're back to singles again it's kind of mm-hmm. kind of strange but i like i like listening to albums too yeah and that and that podcast by the way is the next track with kirk mcelhern who's a really well respected uh, journalist that writes about apple all the time i it, where is where's kirk writing these days i'm not sure where he's at you know, he he still writes. He does stuff for tidbits. He writes for, um, I believe, he writes regularly for Intego. He uh, posts security information on there. He does, still does a lot of freelancing. He's got a, a great book on taken. You have a take control book too, don't you, Rosemary? Yes, yes. We we share share a publisher there. Yeah, he has <laughs> a, a book on uh, the media apps um, yeah. that just came out that updates everybody on uh, on the differences between iTunes and music and TV and podcasts and book and whatever other other apps they have. Yeah. Whatever apps they were able to pull out of iTunes, there was like 37 of them just waiting to come out and hatch. Well, I, it's called The Next Track. I'm going to have to check it out because I know Kirk collects a lot of classical music and that guy pushes iTunes or now music probably to the limit. He used to be the iTunes guy at Macworld. I've told him from now on, you're Senor Musica. <laughs> yeah, there you That's go. What I, I like that. I like that. I like it. He doesn't like it, but I like it. I, so we're going to stick. I mean, he's outvoted at this point. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by PDF Pen from Smile, the ultimate tool for editing PDFs on the Mac. Just go to textexpander.com and let them know you heard about it here on The Automators. PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro is the ultimate PDF viewing and editing application for the Mac. With it, you can add headers and footers along with watermarks to your documents. It also includes a precision edit tool, plus you can OCR documents. And version 11.2 is now available with table cell content editing. You know one of the things I love about PDF Pen? They actually have a redaction tool. You know, you draw a black square around someone's social security number and it actually removes it. It's crazy how often people just draw a black square then someone receives the PDF, they remove the black square, and they have the social security number. That doesn't happen with PDF Pen. And now you can add signatures and text, not to mention being able to correct typos and fill out forms. So check out the new version 11.2 of PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro for your Mac. Head over to smilesoftware.com podcast. Let them know you heard about it here on the Automators. And if you do any work with PDFs, you need PDF Pen. So, so Doug, you spent all this time in AppleScript all these years. Are there any other automation languages that pique your interest? Well, I I do like any programming language. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned earlier, you know, it's always good to know a little Objective C and Swift. And I, I, to be honest with you, I haven't learned any Swift at all. Yeah. Um, I haven't done anything as I mentioned earlier with shortcuts, which is some automation that I would like to get involved in. I would really like to do more with home automation. Um, that's something I should have asked you guys about because you probably know more about it than I do. But I've recently, I don't have many opportunities for that here because we live in an apartment, yeah. uh, you know, in, in suburban, outside of Boston in a big suburb in Newton. And 
we don't have like a modern home. It's an older house. There's no recessed lighting. There's no, you know, there's no opportunities for, for nice lighting. It's like we have localized direct lighting pretty much everywhere. So automating that doesn't, it doesn't really give us many opportunities. Yeah. And, and you can't start pulling sockets out of the walls and stuff. Cause you're right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we have a little bit of home automation, but, um, and that's only because I was interested in it and finding out how, you know, what we can do with it. But, you know, HomeKit is not Apple scriptable. And no. so, I mean, and that's perfectly understandable because the security risks are just, yeah. I mean, just think about it for a second. So I understand that. But uh, the only time I've used automation with these lights is when we first got these lights that are controllable. They're not Philips Hue. They're feet. Have you ever heard of them? Yeah. F-E-I-T. Okay. Well, anyway, they're one of these vendors. And we put the lights in the bedroom thinking that, oh, we each have our own light. We can set it at our own temperature and we can do the dimming and all that stuff. And we found that that was just a pain in the butt. Yeah. It's like we went back to using the dimmers that we had because it was easier to, when you're half asleep, to reach over and grab the dimmer. You didn't have to look for your fumble for your phone, turn it on, hold it up in front of your face, say, okay, turn this off now. Or even do, hey, Siri, because Siri, no offense, Siri, but Siri would sometimes get it wrong. And, you know, mm-hmm. you're talking while somebody is in bed. It just, it just didn't Your face win. is half smooshed into a pillow because you're half asleep. You know, there, there, there's a pot- yeah, plenty of potential for it to go wrong. I'm sure there are all kinds of horror stories. Yes. So, um, but I am interested in home automation as far as it goes with, with music and, uh, you know, and lights and, and air conditioning and microwaves and whatever else they come out with. So I'm very curious to see how that comes out. But I haven't had any opportunities to do any because, like I said kind of limited here with what we can do. Yeah, I feel like HomeKit is like uh to use the earlier Apple script versus automator analogy. I think a HomeKit leans kind of the automator speed as opposed to the Apple script speed when it comes to home automation. Uh, yeah. there are people out there that, you know, sell services and and go real deep with home automation to do a lot more. But uh for me, I find that Actually, you know, I the automator level is probably fine for most of the home automation I do. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but I I do have the ability to like, and the game changer for me with the lighting was the Lutron Cassetta switches, which requires you to to rewire your house. Yes, but automation for lighting in the light bulb is far inferior to automation handled at the switch level. It's it because, you know, if you do it in the light bulb, you got to buy one of these fancy light bulbs for every light and you're still going to hit the switch once in a while. When you hit the switch, guess what? You just turned the automation off because there's no current going to that. Yeah. And, uh, Is there a show like bad automators? You should have like a, yeah. a, a, a companion <laughs> show where it's like automation, home automation nightmares. Yeah. Uh, that's where we're at, I think. When I broke my ankle uh, last year, um, some some people came over to to help out and you know bring groceries and so on, and they they kept trying to turn the lights on in the hallway with the light switches, and we have Philips Hue lights. And so, ages ago, it used to be that if you turn the light switch off for Philips Hue lights and then turned it back on, then the lights would come on. Yeah. But this was a pain in the neck when you had a like brief fl- power flicker at three a.m. because. They, they would lose power and then they come back on and you'd be lying in bed. And previously, you know, with regular lighting, you would be unaware of this. Yeah. With Philips Hue lighting, it would be like 
and the sun has come out to play and all of your lights are on and you're being right. blinded and now you're wide awake and very grumpy about it. Yeah. Um, so fortunately, that was fixed, but people were, were, were flipping the light switches and it, oh my gosh, it took like 10 minutes of me like standing there on one leg, like press the light switch. <laughs> and then I had to hop back to the Philips Hue bridge and reboot it because that was being funny because it couldn't connect to some of the lights and it was taking a long time. And oh my gosh, that that was a pain. All you have to do is just take that segment out and put a beginning and an ending on it. And there's your first Nightmare Home <laughs> Automators episode. Well, I mean, I, I fixed it because I put tape on the light switches now. So you can try and toggle them all you like. <laughs> But, you know, unless you rip the tape off, it's not going to happen. Um, and I was actually pretty tempted to pull the switches off the wall. We live in an apartment, but I think we I could get away with pulling the switches off the wall and just like recessing the actual switch part further behind yeah. and then like, putting the, the switch back so people can toggle it all they like and it wouldn't actually do anything. But eh. maybe in the future. Years from now, people will be renting that apartment and will say, hey, look, they have switches back here. <laughs> That'd be funny. I At one point, I actually opened up the wall and disconnected the switch because I was tired of my family turning the, all the lights off. But then, of course, they're like, well, how am I supposed to turn the light on? You expect me to open an app? You know, that <laughs> yeah, that was right. all before I kind of saw the light with the cassettes. And I, I think one of the rules, if you're going to automate, especially if you live with another person, is you've got to find a solution that does not upset their life in one bit. <laughs> And I think yeah. that a, yeah. a winning automation has to do that. It has to not only work for the nerd, it has to work for the non-nerd. The way it worked at our house is my wife decided that she wanted to be able to control the lights on the other end of the apartment that we hardly ever went into anymore. Mm -hmm. So she bought a, a, an Alexa device uh, without even consulting me. Yeah. She just got it and said, now this is supposed to help us with the lights. Is this gonna, can you make this work? Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, oh yeah, I gotta get some other things, but yeah, I can yeah. make it work. So, yeah. I mean, I had I had no choice. I was not prepared to do any home automating until she actually decided that this is the way things are gonna be. And the motto at my house is happy wife, happy life. So yeah, that's, no, that, that's pretty universal. Gotta do it. That's yeah. pretty yeah. universal. <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, it's literally a motto. It's literally, you walk in the house, it's written right there. Okay. <laughs> Did you well, in that? my case, I had to I had to make my boyfriend happy because he's not a fan of, you know, like not having light switches and things like that. And yeah. he doesn't want to have to get out his phone. And especially he has an Android. So that means that he doesn't even just have one app to deal with stuff because there is no home app for Android, which integrates the Nano Leaf and the Hue and and mm. the, the Logitech Harmony for the television, everything. Mm -hmm. um, so the Logitech Harmony that I bought, I bought with a remote control. And I hooked it up to the hue lighting and everything. So when we start watching, you know, a, a film or something, then it dims the lights for us and things like that. But I bought the Logitech pop buttons. And that, I think, has been the winner because there's one next to the bed and you press that one and it turns off all the lights in the apartment. Everything. Oh, it's, terrific. It pauses the speakers because we have a Sonos speaker and things like that. The one by the front door, exactly the same. You hit it on the way out, turns everything off. So... Aside from the lights in the bathroom, which I have not automated because they're in the bathroom and I kind of don't want to risk Philips Hue in a very humid environment. Our bathroom yeah. has very poor ventilation, unfortunately. Um, you know, and the bathroom's next to the front door. So if that light's still on, you can you know, lean backwards, hit the switch and then continue on your way out. But that, that's been really useful. And also having the ability to press one button when you come back in. Um, and your hands are full of groceries, so you can elbow it and turn the lights on and keep going to the kitchen and the entire apartment's lighting up as you're walking through it. That yeah. really has been a game changer and has made our life considerably easier. 
I'm sure that's really cool. And like I said, I, I wish I could do stuff like that, but the opportunities for us to do that are just, it's like, yeah. we live on the second floor. So when we come in, we pull the string that turns the light on at the top of the thing, <laughs> at the top uh, of the stairs. Yeah. That's our, yeah. that's our home automation. Um, yeah. You know, I'd love the idea of, of turning things off when I leave the room. I think mm. that makes a lot more sense. And I'd love to be able to do that. And that's, yeah. that's what I would do. I think that's the least that I should be able to do. So I'm going to try to work on that. Well, you could easily do that with your little home studio. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at it right now. Um, you just get <laughs> yourself a hue light and you get one of those infrared sensors and mm -hmm. in home kit on your phone, you can have it when there's infrared motion in the room, uh, it'll turn the light on. You can even set it to say, turn off if there's no motion after 10 minutes. So you walk out the door 10 right. minutes later. So that is absolutely doable with just the, the basic stuff built into your phone. But just you, the script editor version of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah with the automator version. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you could just um, you could have it turn on a light based on motion very easily. Uh, my yeah. the the trick for me, like I said, was once I got the Casetta switches and my family started using them, it was like the gateway drug. So then my wife discovered the app and the ability. And I know now, even like when we'll be driving home at night, she'll be turning the lights on in the house as we're two blocks away. And, sure. and then I st slowly started adding things to it. I We have a thermostat now, and we also have the ability to unlock our front door with it. And um, she uses all that stuff. But the trick was was really getting those switches. Because when we were trying to do it with the light bulb stuff, uh, I was getting uh, – I did not have a happy wife and happy life in terms of that <laughs> element of my life. So, so you do need to find a way – you know, whether, you know, it, your significant other is not listening to the automator's podcast, you need to figure out a way to make them happy too. When you're, when you're trying this stuff. I think so, because, uh, you know, the, she, she does my laundry too. So it's like, I gotta, gotta keep her. <laughs> yes. If you don't want your t-shirt shrunk, then, <laughs> no, then you have to, then you have to make sure that everybody else in your life is happy. Really it's, careful uh, about stuff like that. Yes, yes. That's one of the reasons why at the moment my parents only have one plug. Uh, it's a Elgato Eve plug. Um, and that uh, is, um, it, it's it's a place where it would be a very awkward place to physically, you know, reach down there every time to turn the light on and turn the light off. And they have a lamp right. plugged into it 99% of the year. And then a Christmas, uh, I'm not sure they're supposed to do this, but they put an extension lead on it and have a lamp and the Christmas tree. Yeah. Um, and so the lamp and the Christmas tree come on at the same time when they when they ask uh, the, the lady inside their phones or usually their Apple watches and occasionally their iPads, I noticed this weekend, to turn on the yeah. lamp. Um, and, and that they really like because it also means that, you know, if they if they're out and they've forgotten because they do have an Apple TV, if they've forgotten um, that, you know, they, they to turn the, the lamp off or they think, did we remember to turn the lamp off? They can open right. their phones and look at it and turn it off. Um that was also useful a couple of months ago when I was trying to call my parents and they weren't answering their phones and I wasn't sure why. So I started turning the lamp off. Oh my gosh. I'm waiting for them to turn the lamp back on. And then my mom said, the lamp keeps turning off. What's happening? It's like, good. Now you can see that I've, I've called you eight times and you haven't picked up. What's happening? Oh, right. Sorry. And then they called me and it was fine. Uh, I, hadn't so there we go. Of, I hadn't thought of the April Fool's uh, potential here. Yeah. Well, I, I wasn't <laughs> using it to to, to, to play a prank yeah. on them. I really did need to talk to them and they weren't picking up the phone. But, you know. Of course. They're, yeah. They're, okay, there are bonuses okay. to this. <laughs> I have a friend that lives in Los Angeles and when the Dodgers win, her bedroom light turns blue. <laughs> I, I helped good. her set that up with an if this, then that. She's not super in automation, but man. She loves it so much. Whenever yeah, it sure. occasionally breaks, I get a call from her and then we get it fixed. Yeah, it's real great. I just tried recently to put one of those 
wireless plugs on my router because I just occasionally want to reset my router. I thought it'd be nice to be able to turn it off. You know, I wondered about that too, yeah. The problem is the wattage that it pulls is too high and it seems to be shutting the router down randomly. So I have to get, they, they make them more with higher wattage and I just have to spend money, you know, but I, am, I haven't done yeah. it yet. But but that, I think that someone that can make Doug's scripts could probably go crazy. In fact, we're going to have you back on someday, Doug, and we're going to hear how you've Apple scripted your home automation. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, there was a when, there was a book for kids. I think it was called Henry or something. Yeah. But he he had to stay home one day from school, and he had a big ball of string, and he attached everything that he thought he would need at home yeah. to the end of a string, and he could bring it into his bed. <laughs> while he, while you know, while he was sick, while he was recuperating from school, I thought I want to be able to do that someday. Yeah, the original so automator. Certainly, yeah. So <laughs> it's certainly possible that, um, you know, with that as my as my as my as my ideal, um, I will, uh, you know, automate my home like uh, like he did because I, I really like the idea of having centralized control. I wonder if there's an interface. There's, there's they call it what the X10 modules. There's there's some there's some old school automation stuff out there. Yeah. That I wouldn't be surprised if somebody wrote an Apple script addressable Mac app for, you know. If anybody in the audience knows, send Doug a note over Doug's Yeah, scripts. I'd be curious to know cuz I remember that I almost got into that stuff. Yeah. And there was some way you could do something like that. And now I don't remember. Yeah. But uh, I came that close to saying, maybe I should invest in doing some of that. But at that time, the home autumn, it was way too early. Yeah. Way too yeah. early. Well, either way, we are all big fans of everything you do, Doug. I mean, 20 years of making Apple scripts for us to make our music libraries better. But you've also taught a lot of us Apple script along the way. And we sure appreciate it. Well, super. That's great. That's very gratifying. Um, if you're listening, you haven't gone there yet. It's Doug Scripts. Dot com d-o-u-g-s-r-c-r-i-p-t-s dot com um also uh the podcast is called the next track we'll put a, a link for that as well in the show notes we've talked about a bunch of doug scripts during the course of the show we're going to have those in the show notes anywhere else people should look for you doug don't bother uh okay. i'm on twitter <laughs> at doug scripts and okay. that's about it yeah i was on facebook but i've burned that bridge so. yeah me too me too yeah good for you <laughs> You can find us over at relay.fm slash automators. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, PDF Pin, Zapier, and Kensington. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Goodbye, everybody.